appreciate the Sunday school lesson again this morning and how it dovetails and ties right into our message this morning. Out of John chapter 6, we're going to be making some applications towards evangelism, towards missions uh, today from John chapter 6. And we'll make some applications for just life in general as well. And we'll trust that God's Word uh, ministers to the heart today. Turn, you're already there in John 6, but let's look at verse 1 down through verse 14. The Bible says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up His eyes, and saw a great company come unto Him, He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. It seems that life sometimes uh, is a series of highs and lows. You've experienced that in your own life, no doubt. There's times when things are going well and it's good and times when things are uh, at low points in life. And we face those valleys and we face those mountains sometimes in life. And, and there are also times when it seems that the, the things that we're going through cause us to come to a point where we feel like we can't even go on another step, not one step further. Uh, in the book of Job, you find... Uh, Job was almost at that point uh, a couple of times, and yet his faith was still in the Lord. And our obstacles, or whatever name you want to attach to it, sometimes can be completely overwhelming in our eyes. And when that happens, uh, many times the tendency is to want to quit. The tendency is to want to give up on the Lord. Um, but we in those times are forgetting just who God is. God is the creator of this universe. He is the master of the sea. He's, as the Bible says, He's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the one who was, who is, who is to come. He's God. He's still God. He always will be. And we need to remember that important fact in times of life. We just need to remember that He's God. Well, 
said all of that to just sort of introduce the fact that this, these verses here that we read in John chapter 6, they paint a picture or a scene that seems absolutely impossible in the eyes of men. Uh, to the disciples, Philip said, 200 penny worth isn't enough to feed all of these people. Andrew said, these five barley loaves and two small fishes are here, but what is that compared to so many? There's not enough here. It seemed impossible in the eyes of men, but to God, it was simply an opportunity to display His power, His awesomeness. He knew what He would do, Jesus, the Bible says. It was an opportunity for Him to showcase His ability to overcome any and all situations without exception. Remember that the Gospel of John was written in such a way to highlight and, and express the deity of Jesus Christ. This was simply an opportunity for Jesus to show His power. And I want to make some applications towards missions today, but also in relation to that, or in addition to that rather, you might be here this morning and you might be carrying some sort of a burden. Whatever burden that is that you carry, whether it's personal, whether it's work, whether it's church, whether it's related to somebody else, what you need to do is look at your burden in comparison with the awesomeness of God, the greatness and the power of God, and realize that He's greater, that He's better, that He's bigger. And leave it with Him. Leave it with Him. And whatever the issue is or the situation, let God's Word minister to your heart this morning. The title of the message from John 6 here is, When a Little Becomes a Lot. When a Little Becomes a Lot. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd use Your Word and challenge us with uh, these principles regarding evangelism and missions. Lord, I also pray that You would encourage the heart of the one who is weak or the one who is hurting. And Father, I pray that you'd give us the faith to be able to just leave it with you. Lord, we just pray that you'd accomplish your will today. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want you to <clears throat> understand with me here this overwhelming situation uh, that, that presented itself. We read how uh, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee and there was a great multitude that followed because they saw the miracles that he did and they wanted to see more. You'll, we'll find out later on in John chapter 6 that, that, some that some of the people's motives weren't exactly right. They wanted to make Jesus king because of what he could provide for them. And we'll talk about that in later messages and so on. But this great multitude followed. Jesus went up into a mountain. He was there, we can read in, in, in parallel Gospels, by the way, this feeding of the 5,000 is really one of the only miracles that Jesus performed that's recorded in all four Gospels. And we can read in other Gospels how Jesus wanted to take His disciples for a little bit of a rest. But instead of turning, having a time of reprieve and a time of rest, this great multitude followed... And Jesus had compassion on them. 
And so we get to verse 5, and we see that Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he saw this great company come to him, and he said, what are we going to do about it? To his disciples, basically. And verse 6 says, he said this to prove him, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And in the eyes of the disciples, all they could see was an impossible situation, an overwhelming situation. And that's the first thought or first point here this morning is this overwhelming situation that presented itself. But I want you to note, first of all, that Jesus recognized the situation. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus saw this great company and he asked this question, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus recognized the situation and he was concerned and compassionate about the people involved in the situation. Now let me make an application here. Jesus knows what situation you're in too. He knows all the circumstances surrounding it. Matthew chapter 10 tells us that we are more valuable than the, than the sparrows to the Lord. But Matthew 10 also says that Jesus knows the very hairs of your head and he has them all numbered. And we think about that in terms of like, hey, that's pretty awesome. But here's the thing. You know what the number of the hairs on your head is always changing? It is constantly changing. And Jesus knows that too. And the point is that it does the smallest little insignificant detail that is always changing, Jesus already knows about it. He's always aware. He knows what you face in your life. He knows what you're facing today. Jesus knew how he was going to handle that situation too before that situation ever even materialized. Look at verse 6. He said this to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He already had the answer. He already knew what he was going to do before it even materialized. And friends, what I'm saying is that God already has the answer to the question in hand before the question is ever even asked. He's always ahead of the game. You remember when Abraham took his son Isaac and he took his son to sacrifice and Isaac said, here's the wood and I see that we've got this, but, but, where's, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And Abraham went to obey the Lord and do as God had said. And the Lord already had the answer ready and in place. You remember Elijah and his situation where God told him to go to the brook Kirith. Elijah didn't have any supply or resource, but the ravens fed him at God's supply. And he used a poor, starving widow to supply all of his need. God already had the answer to the problem that was going to present itself. And what I'm saying is, sometimes situations can see, seem overwhelming, but Jesus recognizes the situation and has it under control 
before it ever even materializes. And here's the application I want to make even towards missions. You know what? Going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature is an overwhelming situation. Eight billion people on the planet. One small church with the responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. It's an overwhelming situation, but God knows that. You know what else might seem like an overwhelming situation for you individually? That one person that you know that you should witness to, that you just seem to have a hard time with, is an overwhelming situation. But God knows that. What do we do in times of those overwhelming situations? Well, we look at verse 6 again. And we find, we, don't, we find not only did Jesus recognize the situation, but we find that Jesus makes a request for faith. In verse 6, this he said to prove him, to test him, for he, knew, for he himself knew what he would do. Here's a request for faith. In this overwhelming situation, what needs to be done? Trust in the Lord. Faith in the Lord. And all of God's people are supposed to live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. Romans 14.23 was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Hebrews 11.6 says without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. In that overwhelming situation, our typical response is faithlessness. But you know what faithlessness says? Faithlessness says that God is dead. Faithlessness says that God isn't able. Faithlessness says this is impossible. And that is a response of the flesh, which we see in verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. There's a response of the flesh. A faithless response is a fleshly response. The response of, I can't. It's not possible. We can't. It's never been done that way before. You know what I think of? I think of, of, of the, the, the command of God to preach the gospel to every creature, certainly in all the world. But let's just bring it back here to home just a little bit. Even the, the, the idea of preaching the gospel all over the state of Alaska in native villages seems like an impossible situation. And our response in the flesh might be, well, we tried some things and it hasn't really worked, and so I guess it's not really going to happen. It's not possible. Or I can't do it. We can't do it. That person that you're supposed to witness to, I can't do it. They're not going to respond anyway. Philip's response here in verse 7 was centered around money. He said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. One commentator I was looking at reading suggested that that 200 penny worth would have been probably the equivalent to about eight months wages for the average man. I mean, if you calculate that out into today's terms, let's say a man makes $70,000, $75,000 a year on average in Alaska, that would equate to about $50,000 a 
That's a lot of money. His response of the flesh was, we don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the ability. His faith was not in the Lord. His faith was in the resources. Andrew's response was similar. It was actually centered around what couldn't be done. Look what Andrew said. One of his disciples, in verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? His response centered around what couldn't be done. The impossible. What is that among so many? And the question from Jesus in this situation was, how are we going to handle this? In verse 5, he said, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? How are we going to handle this? That was Jesus' question. Well, there were a couple responses to the question. The first response to the question was, let's get rid of the problem. If you go over to Mark chapter 6 with me, keep your place here. In Mark chapter 6, we find this parallel account from Mark's gospel. And we read in verse 35, Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. The Bible says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Notice here, in Mark's gospel, the disciples' response to the question was, Send them away. Let's get rid of the problem and the problem will go away. But Jesus said, no, you feed them. No, you give them to eat. And I can make an application out of this here because, you know, we are faced with, with the, the command to preach the gospel to every creature. All of you have a sphere of influence. All of you have people that you work with. All of you have a, have a responsibility to give the gospel. And we might say, well, if I don't witness, the problem will go away. Or we could say, let somebody else do it who's got more ability than me. And Jesus would say, no, you feed them. You give them the gospel. Sometimes only you can. Sometimes nobody else can. And we can't say, well, let somebody else do it. Because God's big enough, we can't get rid of the problem. Another response to the question that Jesus had was, what are we going to do about this? Another response was in verse 8 in verse, or verse 9. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? The response was, well, we have a little, but it'll never be enough. We have a little, but it'll never be enough. We have a few resources, but it's still impossible. It's not going to do any good. And somebody might say, well, uh, you know, I don't have very much to offer, so why even try? 
it's not going to be good enough. Well, the right response and what really needed to happen, what really needed to be done was simply to let Jesus have it, whatever it is. And look in verse 11 with me. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. I like the first part of that verse. And Jesus took the loaves. Jesus took what was there. Jesus took what was available. And he was the one who multiplied it. And here's the application. Our flesh will tell us all the time, it's not possible. You can't do it. They're not going to listen anyway. Our flesh will, will say anything uh, to us to get us to do the opposite. But here's the thing. We shouldn't listen to anything that the flesh has to say about any situation because the flesh will only lie. Maybe you're in a situation that's tough. The flesh is going to tell you all kinds of things, but here's the truth. If you're in it, that means God has you in it for a purpose, that all things work together for good to them that love God. God isn't looking for excuses. He's not looking for doubts or question marks. What He's looking for is faith on your part. I don't have much to offer. I don't, I don't know how the person's going to respond. I, I don't know. I'm not good with these sorts of things. But Lord, I know that you want me to do this. And Lord, I believe you. And I'm just going to let you have it. And I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to obey. Go back to our text in verses 8 and 9. We see the overwhelming situation. Great multitude. Jesus says, how are we going to feed them? He recognized the situation. He requested faith out of his disciples. Their response was fleshly and not faith-filled, and we can do the same thing. But why was their response that way? Because, secondly, here we find that in verses 8 and 9 that the supplies were insufficient. They were looking at the resources. They were looking at the supply and not at the Savior. Look at verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, There's a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? We find that the supplies were insufficient. Notice the size of the gift or what was available. The Bible says there's five barley loaves and two small fishes. Basically, what that, and it was a boy, a small boy, a lad. They're not giant, you know, sourdough loaves of bread that someone might even bring to, to potluck dinner and we cut that bread up into 15 or 20 pieces and then we divide that up again in half and we might feed 30 or 40 people with, with just a piece of bread. No, these are like the size of a biscuit, a small biscuit. There's a boy. It was his lunch. Five of those small little biscuits, and two sardines. That was about it. Those were insufficient supplies. But you know what? God's able to use little things. He used a stick to part the Red Sea. Right? He used 
a piece of cloth to part the Jordan River. He used a starving widow to provide for Elijah. He used small things all the time. But it's not about the small things. It's not about the size of the gift. It's not about what's being offered. It's about the heart that's offering it. And the point is this. Your ability or your resources may be small, but God is still God and He can use anything. Verse 11 tells us that Jesus took what was offered and He was the one who multiplied it. It wasn't too small for the Lord. Often the Lord is just wanting to use the resource that you already have, the one that you already possess, and multiply that in marvelous ways. What is, when it comes to evangelism, what's a resource that you have? Well, if you've been saved, you've got a testimony. Simple testimony of how God changed your life, what God did for you. Many times the Lord just simply wants to use the resource you already have and multiply it if you'll trust Him with it. The size of the gift was really small, but like I said, it's not about what was being, the size of what was being offered. It's more about the heart. I want you to see the sacrifice of the giver. It was a lad who had five barley loaves and two small fishes. That's all he had and he offered it up. He gave all that he had. That was the sacrifice of the giver, to give all that he had. And here's the point. You know what? This is exactly what God asks of you and me, just simply to give what you have to him. Give him it all. Whether it's great, whether it's small, and he'll use it for his glory. It's never the size of the gift. It's the heart of the giver. You remember the widow with two mites who gave all that she had. And in God's eyes, she gave multitudes more than all of those rich men who threw in their bags full of money out of their abundance. Someone would say, well, I don't have a lot. And does that mean that if, if no one gives, then, then God has nothing to work with? Is that what that means? Well, I would say the answer is no, because even these stones God could turn into bread or they could glorify the Lord. No, He allows us to be involved in His work. He allows us the privilege to have a part in what He's doing. Does God really need us? No, He doesn't really need us. Like I said, He can raise up stones, but He gives us the privilege to be involved. And so here's the truth, and here's the point. Quit holding on to what you have and give it to the Lord along with yourself and simply let God do what He's going to do. I think people hold back. I'm afraid. I can't, I can't, I can't say anything for Christ because I'm either afraid of what they're going to say or I don't know what to say or they're not going to respond anyway. I don't have a lot to give. And we just simply hold on to what we have rather than trusting the Lord with it. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with me. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. And look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. In context here, Paul is, is talking about the churches of Macedonia who gave uh, 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 to the, the offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They had been persecuted and so on. And they took up an offering. And Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about the churches of Macedonia who gave first their own selves to the Lord and to them. Plus they gave their money out of deep poverty because of the grace of God. That's what Paul's talking about in context here. Philippi, namely, that church under great persecution themselves, in deep poverty, they gave all that they had uh, abundantly because of the grace of God, but it was because they gave themselves first to the Lord. And so what I'm simply saying is the sacrifice of the giver, it's not about the size of it, it's about the heart of it and just simply giving all that you have. Say, Lord, I want to please you. I know that as a member of this church, you've given us the responsibility to preach the gospel. There's this individual that's in my life that, that needs the gospel. But, but you know, you know that my fears, you know what my fears are. You know that I don't seem, I don't feel like I have a lot to give, but I know that you can do anything. And I simply, I, I want to obey you. I want to just say something for Christ. Will you take it and multiply it? Does that make sense? It's about the heart that says, Lord, I want to obey you. And I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give what I have. Whether it's in words, whether it's in time, whether it's in money, give it to the Lord first. The supply is always going to be insufficient when we're leaning on our own resources. Look at verse 9 again, because you find in verse 9 also the stain of doubt. Verse 9, Andrew had said, there's a lad here with five barley loaves and two small fishes. He gave, he gave it all. But look at Andrew's response. But what are they? among so many. What are they among so many, these small resources? Here's the stain of doubt. And you know what? Here's where we always lose the battle. Doubting the Lord. Looking at the circumstance as impossible. Go over to John chapter 15. You might be in a life situation that seems impossible. But look at John 15 and verse 16. The Bible says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus says, You haven't chosen me. I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should bring forth fruit 
and that your fruit should remain. That's my will. That was, that's my purpose. That's my promise to you. And I don't know that we really believe this. I don't know that we really believe this truth. Because if we did, we would already be taking it to the Lord and we'd be leaving it with Him and allowing Him to enable us. When it comes to evangelizing the world, He promised. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you're going to receive power, dunamis, ability. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me. In all the world, whose power? His power, when the Spirit of God comes upon you. Not your power. That's a promise. Whose ability? His ability. I don't know that we really believe this. He also promised in Matthew 28 and verse 20, Lo, behold, I am with you. Not alone. And it's not your ability. Those are His promises. But it comes with the stain of doubt. What are they? What are my abilities among so many? The supply is always insufficient when we're looking at our own resources. But it's not our resource if we would just trust the Lord with it and obey. Amen? Look at verse 10. Go back to our text and look at verse 10. Verses 10 through 14, I want you to see the surplus was abundant. We see the situation was overwhelming. We see the supply was insufficient. But when you trust the Lord and the Lord does something with it, all of a sudden the surplus is abundant. Verse 10, Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Here we find the surplus was abundant. Jesus wasn't disturbed by the circumstance. You know what? He's not disturbed by the circumstance of your life either whatever that is. Verse 10, the Bible says that Jesus calmly just said, make the men sit down. He already knew what he was going to do. He's never disturbed by the circumstance, and you'll never have a problem that is greater than God's ability. But here's what I really want you to look at with me. What we find here is that the disciples, the ones who doubted, were still included and used to minister as part of God's plan. The faltering were still used. Verse 11 says, Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples. 
and the disciples to them that were set down. Jesus still used even the ones who doubted that it could be done. He used the doubters to feed the hungry. And you know what? That was a blessing to me when I noticed that because I often fail in my life. I often have times of doubt and falter in my faith with the Lord. And yet God still takes me and wants to use me. But he does it to teach me who's really in control. When it looks impossible, what we need to do is just keep on serving the Lord. I fail for doubt, and I just need to keep on going. Listen, I'm not useless to the Lord, even when I falter in my faith. He simply wants to grow my faith in Him. And the same is true for you. God is gracious in that that you... We don't have to be put on a shelf. We don't have to be useless to the master. In fact, he wants to use us and he will still use us even when we falter in our faith because he simply wants to grow our faith. Not only were the faltering still used, but we find in verse 12 that the famished were satisfied. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. You know what? Every need was met here. Every need was met. There were probably 20 plus thousand people that were there. Matthew 14 tells us that it was 5,000 men besides women and children. There were probably 20 plus thousand people that were there. And every single need was met. Jesus took the little that had been offered and he turned it into a lot. And you know what Ephesians 3.20 says? That God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What we need to do is just take the little that we have and place it into his hand and let him multiply it. And I see, thirdly here, that the faithless were fortified. Verse 14 says, Those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. We find the surplus was abundant. We find that twelve baskets full were taken up. One full basket for every doubting disciple. Amen. I guess what I'm saying is when God has it placed in his hand, the little that you have, he can move in ways that you'll never understand. And when he does and he uses you, all of those doubts that you had are going to seem really ridiculous. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. You know, we could make application for eternal or future or heavenly things. 
But you know what? That same principle is true right now. We don't understand all that God can do even now, all that God has prepared and how he wants to use each and every individual. What he's looking for is faith on our part. You know, the times there are times when when I have been faced with this very situation of doubt or fear or faced with the 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 responsibility to witness to somebody and I don't want to do it or I'm afraid or I don't know what how the situation is going to unfold and just simply leave it with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you because I know this is what you're saying to do. And just step out by faith, even with fear and trepidation in the moment. And all of a sudden I watch and see the Spirit of God begin to move and to work and even to use me and to control my thoughts and my tongue. And and what develops out of this is just an immense opportunity to plant seeds of the gospel in someone's life. And I end up walking away from that situation overjoyed because the Lord used me. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know how it was going to be done. You just got to step out by faith. Here's the little that I have. Put it in the Lord's hands. Or I'm just going to say something. Would you multiply it? And then watch as the Lord works and our faith in Him grows. The purpose of this miracle was found in verse 14. The purpose was so that people would know that He is God. The demonstration of His power in this miracle here should also grow our faith in Him as God. We know that He is, and yet we still doubt. Do you look at things that you face in life and say, there's no way? That's impossible. Friend, as long as there's a great God who sits on the throne in heaven, there's always a way. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way. Amen? What do you got to do? Just get it into his hands. Trust him. He can handle it. He can make a lot out of your little. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. It was a test of faith for his disciples. I think that we can take some lessons away from this when it comes to our responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. It should be rooted and grounded, not just in obedience to the command of the Lord, but faith in him that he's going to do it. I am with you. You'll receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. It's the Lord who will take what you have and turn it into something useful for Him. Amen? Who's in your life? Who's in your life that needs a gospel witness that you're afraid to say something to or you haven't yet? What are you going to do? Try to keep getting rid of the problem? Let somebody else do it? Or listen to the words of Jesus. No, you you feed them. But trust me. And I'll do the work. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word.
today in our life and as we begin to focus on evangelism and missions uh, leading up to our missions conference, Lord, I pray that again you would refocus and refresh our, our mind and our hearts and what our responsibility is as a New Testament church and as individuals, as members of a New Testament church. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be committed to living by faith, to trusting you, just giving you our all, the little that we have, and let you take it and multiply it and find that every need will be met. Find that your power is amazing. And Lord, that you'll still use even those who doubt at times, those who falter in their faith and cause us to grow. In Jesus' name.